So yeah, we'll yes. do this with all of us. Jasmine, why do you think Jonah is an appropriate book to study right now? Oh, no. I wrote Cheryl question on that when we were talking about <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. Oh, not why it's appropriate. That was more like, why did we choose it? And I thought, well, Cheryl knows why we chose it. So this is a but, different question. But you're, Yeah, it is a different question. Why do I think it's appropriate? Mm -hmm. Ooh, man. Well, for many reasons. <laughs> I think what I was just, when I was just considering that, in terms of even like themes in Jonah, one of the main things that stood out to me was God's mercy. Of course, I think that's probably an obvious one if you've read Jonah before, but uh, just the wide extent of God's mercy and how, boy, do we need that reminder right now? I mean, in our, in our country, in our, in our world, but I know we think a lot of times of America and just... Uh, all the tensions and things going on right now and, and understanding like what we, you know, what we see in, in, in wickedness and evil that is pervasive or that seems to be gaining an, uh, a foothold in a lot of areas and stuff like that. And yet um, to remember that God wants to show mercy. And yes, we can have righteous indignation, but we need to turn that into prayer for God's mercy, for repentance, for humility, and for God to do a work. So that's what spoke to me. I was just thinking like, man, it, you know, if we ever needed mercy, right? You know, it's right now, so. <laughs> so, so Angie, you and I, obviously, we were having a discussion. Um, Jasmine, you weren't here. I don't know where you were. <laughs> but um, Angie was saying, do you want to start Joyful Life uh, up again? And I said, I don't think COVID's going to be over for a while. So I think that we ought to hold off. Mm. And she said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go through the book of Jonah. And she just looks at me like, and her jaw drops. And you probably yeah. remember. So why did you have that reaction, Angie? Well, the whole summer, as I had been reading through the Bible, I obviously got to Jonah and got stuck in the book of Jonah. <laughs> and it's only four chapters long. How could you get stuck in four chapters, right? And literally, I think I spent two months reading and rereading Jonah and just asking God to show me things. And I was so encouraged by the revival that takes place in the book of Jonah. Mm. And it happens twice. Like it happens first when he goes to the um, ship and he's running away from God. Yeah. Those fishermen are revived. They come to know the living God because of even Jonah's not good behavior. And then again in the end of the book that there was revival there. And I was so struck by the fact that it had nothing to do with Jonah's good behavior, with Jonah's message, or with even the pagans. It had everything to do with God. And it was a supernatural work that God did in the hearts of these people. Mm. And it just encouraged me because I feel like we're living in such horrible, challenging times right now where it just seems like darkness is pervasive yeah. and it's almost overwhelming. Like you feel like, can mm -hmm. God get through to the hearts of these people that yeah. are bent on the opposite of what is true and what is just and what is righteous. And this gave me hope that yes, God can. He can get through to even the hardest heart yeah. and he can reveal himself to even the hardest heart. Yeah. And um, that and he, revival. Yeah, and he wants to, that's and his he desire. Wants to, that's, absolutely, yeah. yes. That's good. So that's <laughs> oh, one piece of Jonah, just one little great theme of Jonah. Yeah, I she just was taking inspired. notes on what you said. Yeah, <laughs> I just got inspired just as we were talking. And I think that Jonah is an unexpected book mm -hmm. with unexpected messages and mm -hmm. unexpected, I mean, everything is unexpected. And I'm thinking again about how Jonah is an unexpected prophet, like he would not right. be our pick. Right. You know, who picks, and it was an unexpected reaction by Jonah. 
-hmm. Like what prophet, when they, what prophet do you read about in the Bible that gets a message for God and tries to run and hide? Mm -hmm. You know, what, where? Where's another prophet who does that? Well, no, not that, they didn't run away, but I was thinking of um, just questioning, like Jeremiah and Habakkuk, because they question what the Lord is doing, like what the heck are you doing, but they obey him. They obey, right. (laughs) But then you've got like an unlikely destination, an unlikely mission field. Like, no, this can't be the mission field. You would not send me to Nineveh. Mm -hmm. So it's an unexpected mission field. And I think, you know, years ago I had a friend and her son was born autistic, well, he had autism. And I remember I said to her, this is not the mission field you asked for, but this is the mission field that God gave you. And the same thing when my dad had chemotherapy, when we would go into that room uh, for him to receive the chemotherapy, he said it became his mission field. And he said, I never wanted this mission field. Yeah. Yeah, but that it's an unexpected mission field And then there's an unexpected sequence of events. Mm -hmm. Like it's not expected that there'd be a storm. Mm -hmm. And then it's unexpected that the sailors would respond as they do to to Jonah. You know, he's sleeping. So it's it's unexpected that they'd get saved by this sleeping. um, Disobedient. Disobedient. And I want to say like... um, cold-hearted right because he really doesn't care about what's happening on board so unexpected um result from an unexpected means of of evangelism Mm -hmm. like when i read chapter one and we'll get to it next week this is not the way you want to evangelize like who are you what's your name what are you doing here and why were you sleeping that's like you know it's terrible when when non-christians come to you i i have this one friend and she said that um she was a muslim and she was working with these, these nurses, and she gotten saved. And one day she realized that the nurses that she'd been working with for over a year were Christians. And she said, why didn't you ever tell me the good news? Mm. Well, and they said, well, you were Muslim. And she said, yes, I was dying in my sins. I had no hope of eternal life. Why didn't you ever tell me? And I mean, so that was kind of like her reaction. Wow. And that's kind of what these, you're going to let us die? Mm-hmm. You're going to let us drown? And you've got the living God, and you're a prophet? So then you've got an unexpected occurrence, which, you know, an unexpected fish and uh, unexpected outcome. You Mm -hmm. don't expect them to live. Survive, yeah. And then you've got, again, an unexpected call. The call comes again. And then you've got an unexpected message. The message is not like, God loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. It's like 40 days, yeah, you're really going to be destroyed. And, you, and again, you've got an unexpected response to mm-hmm. that message. Mm-hmm. Where the king even puts on sackcloth, which I'm giving you a, a spoiler alert. <laughs> and then you've got um, an unexpected response by Jonah. You know, and, and then an unexpected, um, I think we realize this this unexpected revelation about God mm-hmm. that, that overarches the whole book. Joni, you were my prophet, but you really didn't know my grace. True. You didn't know. Um, I want, there's certain things like a spoiler alert, like look for the word prepared um, mm-hmm. as you're reading this. The word prepared comes and I find it's very interesting where it comes and when it comes mm-hmm. and what God prepares. Mm-hmm. And you, you find God working in this myriad of ways. And, you know, one thing that it doesn't say, but you realize that God prepared the hearts of the Ninevites for the message of Jonah. Yes. Mm. And so there's all these 
preparations that uh, go on in the book of, of Jonah that um, be, pre be prepared for. That's good. Mm. That's, that's interesting. That's uh, what, what you were saying about how Jonah didn't understand God's ways. And I think I've probably mentioned this before, but it's something that really struck me, I think, in Exodus when I was reading that a few years back, just how, you know, the Israelites saw God's works, but they didn't understand his ways. And mm -hmm. Jonah was like, I have a message here that I'm supposed to deliver, but he didn't understand the way of God and what he really wanted to do in the and, big picture. And what links God goes to, not only mm -hmm. for, to save the Ninevites, mm. but to help this prophet to understand who he yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we should go into like a little bit of a background on yeah. Jonah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, background Ooh. on Jonah. Hit it, so, Angie. You've studied yeah. this for months, so we're <laughs> looking know, to you. Hopefully yeah. I know something, no. <laughs> So this is really interesting, what you were saying about this being um, just unexpected. The word that kept coming to me was unprecedented. Mm. So Jonah was a prophet from this little town in the Galilee region called Gath Hefer. And he was a prophet during the time of Rehoboam II. Jeroboam. Jeroboam, what did I say, Rehoboam? Mm -hmm. Jeroboam II. One of the Boams. Yeah, yeah. Yes. and he's on the, in the northern kingdom too. Yes. So it's important to realize at this point, Israel is divided. You've got right. Judah, mm -hmm. which is considered the southern kingdom, and it has Jerusalem, and it mainly comprises the tribe of Judah and the Levites. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the northern tribe. So they're in rebellion. There's like the civil war, and right. they fight each other often. And then... Judah at least keeps the temple and mm -hmm. the Levitical priesthood, and it keeps um, the Davidic kingdom. Mm -hmm. But the northern kingdom, it rebels, and they have just a whole different line of kings. Yeah, all evil. And the first much. Jeroboam, who becomes the first king, he introduces the calf worship. Mm -hmm. In Dan. And Dan and Bethel. And so he introduces this calf worship and he says, this is the God that delivered you from Egypt. And this is the God mm -hmm. that you need to serve. And so he gives all the attributes of God to these calves and he sets up his own priesthood because he doesn't want the people going back to Jerusalem to worship. So what God does is he raises up prophets mm -hmm. all over Israel. In fact, mm -hmm. the prophets in Israel, with the exception of maybe Jeremiah and Isaiah, uh, Hosea, but the prophets tend to be uh, stronger. They uh, mm -hmm. don't write so many books, but you've got uh, Elijah and Elisha, mm -hmm. both being prophets in Israel. And then you've got these bands of prophets in Israel that go about prophesying and trying to keep the people, uh, bring the people back to mm -hmm. Yahweh. But you also have persecution against these prophets. We're told that Jezebel killed over 450 mm -hmm. prophets. Mm -hmm. So this is the environment because Jeroboam II is after Ahab. So this right. is the environment yeah. that Jonah is a prophet in in, exactly. this, in this northern kingdom. So it's not a godly kingdom no. mm -hmm. at all. give us some perspective too into Jonah. So here Jonah is, he gets a word from the Lord and we read about this in 2 Kings 14. He gets a word from the Lord and goes to Jeroboam II and he gives him that. And because of the word that Jonah gives him, the nation prospers and their boundaries are expanded. Mm -hmm. But that's the word. The word is your boundaries are gonna be expanded. And Jeroboam was the most... Uh, what do you want to say, successful, not spiritually, no, no, no. but as far as um, the kingdom like was prosperity. concerned. Prosperity right. and expanding the um, borders, yeah. uh, strengthening mm -hmm. Israel. So as a patriotist, 
which Jonah was definitely a patriot of Israel. Right. I mean, we get excited when our when our military is strong and we know that invasion yeah. from other countries is not going to happen. Right. There's something, no matter who the president is, we want the United States, you know, make America right. great. Well, and prosperity, we want that. kind of, it like lulls you to sleep when it you're does. prosperous and things yeah. are easy and you're not afraid of war, you're not afraid of things. Mm-hmm. It lulls you to sleep. And so that's kind of the state of this. And it seemed to me, which I could be wrong, that Jonah had favor because of his prophecy that was yeah. a good word. Because a lot of times like what you were saying, the prophets had a word of correction. Yes. And so in this particular case, it wasn't. And so that might be one reason, like if he was going to obey God and that call to go to Nineveh, he would be like possibly hurting the nation of Israel and kind of speaking against the, um, the prophecy he gave or, you know, being a problem to the prophecy he gave and his place with the king. Mm -hmm. It could put him at risk, you know, politically if he were to go to Nineveh and right, Nineveh were to repent. Right, because he could look like, remember how Jeremiah just went outside of the city of Jerusalem and they arrested mm-hmm. him and said, he's going to Babylon. Yeah, he's, right, he's yeah. trying to defect. defect. And yeah. again, the Assyrians were the greatest worldwide threat mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. And they later would yeah. um, take over, um, capture the kingdom of Israel. Like a mm-hmm. generation later, maybe, right? 722. So maybe About like 50, years. 60, yeah, or, or longer before that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's actually not that much longer. Right. And Assyria is growing in strength. Yeah. Um, something interesting about Nineveh, we'll go back to Jonah. His name means dove. I don't know mm-hmm. if that has any, <laughs> any, any. Hmm. But um, in, in Nineveh, the the wall art that they have found in Nineveh, mm-hmm. the wall art, the frescoes, like this is what you put up in your dining room. <laughs> it's pictures of um, flaying, like taking mm-hmm. the skin off of people. It's pictures yeah. of decapitations and of, of piles of skulls. This was their artwork. Yeah. I mean, that tells you a little bit but, about yeah. And we can the people. Go, you, yeah, you can go and see that. Like, they actually have, because they have those siege panels of Lachish, which is in the book of Joshua, you know, where that was one of the places Joshua conquered. It's in the British Museum. I mean, you can go see that today. It's the And Jeremiah same, was from Lachish. All of that. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So you have, like, legit, like, there's all that artwork, like Cheryl's talking about. And they would, they would peel people, sorry, guys, they would peel people alive from their toes. They would stick them on, sorry, they would stick them on she holes. She loves this kind of stuff. I know, so sadistic. But this is how sadistic and evil they were, so we have an understanding. They would stick a person on a pole so that gravity would pull the stick through your entire body. And there's pictures of that, of people just hanging on these poles and stuff. It's so frescoes of it. Yeah, sorry, not pictures. Yeah, frescoes. It's like those really didn't have (laughs) panels. Yeah, not (laughs) pictures. Smile. But yeah, it was pretty sadistic and And twisted. They celebrated the twistedness of their. Right, yes. Right. And to me, that's like God saying, I want you to go to ISIS. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's the same people. It's the same region. I want you yeah. to go to these awful people. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I saw the beheading of those Egyptian Christians mm-hmm. yeah. and the Coptic yeah, the Christians, Coptics, yeah. this, you're just thinking, Lord, wipe those people out. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. get rid of it. And God is saying, Jonah, no, go evangelize those right. people. It's like, oh, heck no. I, yeah. yeah, they do not deserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, it, really, it really plays with our minds, the book of Jonah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to see God in a, in a greater light, that his desire was always to save the nations. Mm-hmm. All these prophecies mm-hmm. about saving the nations. Mm. And Jonah becomes a typology of 
Israel. That Israel was raised up, came into this covenant relationship with God because a, a prophet is like in a covenant relationship with God. He hears and he has the responsibility to speak what he hears to the people. So he's in this covenant. He's to be an image bearer of God. And so he's in this covenant relationship. So he's to take the message of God to the people. In the same way, Israel was to become a covenant nation of image bearers. He said, I want to make you a kingdom of peace, uh, kings and priests in Exodus 19. And they were supposed mm -hmm. to take, which of course mm -hmm. speaks to us from 1 Peter, where it says we have been made that covenant mm -hmm. uh, through the covenant with Jesus Christ. We have been made that nation of kingdoms and priests. But they were to receive the message of God. And they were to take it to all the nations of the world. And the nations were to be curious about, like, what God do you serve that loves you so much, that prospers you like this, that blesses you? But Israel was discontent with their God, and they didn't like their mission field. And they ran from their mission field, and they hid. And they were willing to let the world sink and mm -hmm. die rather than to take the message to the nations about mm -hmm. the God of Israel. So Jonah becomes a type and he reveals the, um, the heart of the nation of Israel. They're running from the call, their mm -hmm. desire uh, to rather die, but it was through this uh, event with the, the well, through their exiles, through their captivities, that they're willing again to say, okay, we will be the image bearers, right? Mm -hmm. But then what happens is they again begin to polarize and want the judgment of those that are to evangelize rather than the salvation. Mm -hmm. So Jonah is a typology of Israel. Yeah, and that's, that's interesting too, like what you're saying, and that wasn't what God wanted them to do. I was reading in Ezekiel this morning where God says twice, like, basically, I have no pleasure that the wicked die. That's right. And we kind of sometimes do. Like, I, like you said, like, I want to see them burn for that, you know. But God has no pleasure in that. It's just like, wow, amazing. Mm -hmm. I think, too, if we knew how terrible hell is, because, you know, Jesus yeah. even said that hell was reserved for the devil and his angels. It was never meant for human capacity. Mm. And I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, no humans go to hell because every time we sin, we sin against our humanity and against mm. the image of God in us. So it's only beasts that go to hell. Mm. It's an interesting concept in the glory of heaven. C.S. Mm. Lewis plays with your mind too. Yes, he does. Well, and there are some really great themes in this book. Did you oh, want yeah. to talk about some of the themes in the book of Jonah? Like oh, grace absolutely. is grace. one of the grace. Yep, mercy. Grace is the hugest themes. overarching, mm -hmm. yep. overarching theme. I think evangelism yeah. is an overarching Salvation. theme. Yeah. Um, I think the call of God yeah. is huge. Mm -hmm. um, um, how to respond, the right way and the wrong way to respond yeah. to the call of God. I was thinking too, like um, the whole thing of disobedience brings problems not only to us, but to the people around us. Like Jonah's disobedience brought destruction almost to that ship that he was on. Mm -hmm. And obedience brings blessings. And disobedience has consequences, but obedience yeah. doesn't have those same consequences. Yeah. Like when Jonah was in the whale, he came out and most likely he was like bleached and his hair, like the acid from the stomach, he very well could have had repercussions from it. Whereas like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, when they were in the fire, they were doing that out of obedience. They didn't even smell like smoke. Mm, and so there's different yeah. response when you're walking in obedience, still you might have something hard you have to do, but when you're walking in disobedience, the consequences are. Yeah. And you know what's really wonderful about all of us studying the book of Jonah together is 
those themes mm-hmm. will all have a different theme. Mm-hmm. If we, and, and that's kind of what's good about discussing mm-hmm. rather than just teaching. Because I have taught the book of Jonah with the emphasis on grace. In fact, uh-huh. in my book on uh, something on grace, something about grace that I wrote. Um, like grace changes everything? Just kidding. That's, yeah, pretty no, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a really good one. I'm just one. kidding. But um, when I wrote about grace, I, I took the book of Jonah in one of the chapters, and the whole chapter is about the grace that we mm-hmm. see in this book. But Jonah is so nuanced that you can see him as the way God prepares Mm, um, and to study the unexpected God Mm -hmm. or what the call of God, Mm -hmm. but even the fact that the call of God is repeated or the patience of God, how he works with his prophet. He doesn't say, "Um, that's it, I'll get a new one, but how he works with this. So we're all going to uh, find different themes. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing about having these different themes and coming together is that this way it will become richer because we'll mm-hmm. see it from all these different yeah, perspectives. Different mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons we're doing this discussion mm-hmm. is because now we're bringing this um, nuanced way of right. looking at Jonah. So it's not just going to be grace, even though grace is extraordinarily yeah. great. And we don't want to miss that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, I, one of the books we're recommending mm-hmm. is um, Tim Keller, and it used to be called The Prodigal Prophet, but now it's called? It's called Rediscovering Jonah. So mm-hmm. I have the old version. I wasn't able to get the new one so fast I. enough, yeah. but um, <laughs> it's called Rediscovering Jonah. They have it in the chapel store, and his perspective on the book of Jonah is just really eye-opening. Well, he brings so many different. Yeah, I, mean, I find every chapter, it's like, wow, you know, all these different um, nuances. Like, But one of the things that he says, which I really like, is he said, don't, and, and this is for all of you, like, don't be, don't get stuck on the fact that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. Yeah. Like, don't let that deter you from yeah. this book. And I was reading that this is the only book of prophecy that is uh, more about an event right, than, than the a message. message. And yeah. the only message you really have is his prayer. Mm-hmm. But there are so many messages in mm-hmm. it. And the only thing he says to Nineveh, like you were saying earlier today, like five words, he just, right? He right. just goes in and barely says anything yeah. in his message. Like, repent, or the Lord's <laughs> yeah. going to destroy yeah. you in 40 days. But the, but the interesting thing is there, that God often uses stories. And mm-hmm. I'm in Exodus. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, I want you to write this event on your hand and on your forehead. And he didn't actually mean, you know, write it on your hand and forehead. He's like, I want it to be so familiar to you that it's like the back of your hand or that others will know your story. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, here's so-and-so and they've got this great story. And so they were to tell this story to their children about like, I I went through the Red Sea Mm -hmm. and the walls parted on each side and I walked through on dry land. Mm -hmm. And the kids would be like, tell us again about the Red Sea. You know, I mean, and I find that in my family, Mm -hmm. um, I started to tell Kate, my grandson, a story about when I was a child. He goes, oh, I know this story. And he starts telling me my story. I'm like, how do you know? He goes, oh, my mom raised me with that story. And often I'll start to tell my grandchildren, even... um, Kate, uh, besides Caden Ryder, I will tell the um, Jude and Hudson, I will start to tell them a story, or Evelyn, and they'll be like, oh, my dad told me this. Oh, and they, sweet. we have these stories, like not only my father's stories, mm-hmm. which are fascinating, but my own stories, mm-hmm. and then their stories of when they were children. And these, these kids, my grandkids, know all the stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, grandma's like kind of irrelevant. Yeah. 
But sometimes they'll be like, I mean, no, that's sorry. Really yeah, I wasn't agreeing with you. But yeah, sometimes you're they'll say, Grandma, <laughs> tell me the story about when Dad broke the window. And so I'll tell them the story from my perspective. Yeah. And I, I just think how God uses our stories. Mm-hmm. Stories stick. We were just they talking do. about that in the, in the back there earlier. Cheryl and I were like, well, that's one reason why we want to do our podcast. Not, I know, I'm plugging it again. Every I'm not trying to, but, it, but that's part, I know, right? <laughs> it's just <laughs> happened to throw it in there. It's no, so but good. that's one reason is just because stories speak to people in a different way than like a message or like you were saying, like, yes, of course, there's, there's the prophets that have a really important message, but there's events and stories that stick and that you remember. Right. I mean, it's done so much in my life. I was telling Jasmine I'm a podcast junkie, but I'm getting really tired of discussions on issues. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm issued out. Like, I don't want to hear the issue anymore. I think I, I know so much about this issue and everything I know is kind of disturbing. You know? Right. Or here's my perspective or what my perspective should be on the issues. And sometimes I just like, tell me the story. Just tell mm-hmm. me a story about how Jesus is working in your life right now. Yeah. Tell me the story Talk of your conversion. Yeah. And like my favorite story is like, uh, let's take for instance, the gay and lesbian issue, right? right? My favorite stories are not the discussions, the podcasts that discuss it, but the David Bennett's who talk about how he got mm-hmm. saved and mm-hmm. how God worked in him or the Christopher um, Ewans yeah. or the, um, you were saying uh, David Beck, uh, Beckett. The Beckett Cook? Well, Beckett there's that Cook. Sam yeah, guy, Cook. too. Sam, yeah. I can't remember. Or, or Rosario <laughs> Butter, Butterfield. Yeah, yeah. Like, these stories bless me so much. I think what we need is more of how God works in people's mm-hmm. lives. And again, unexpectedly. Yes. Not at all the, you know, state of the art. Um, I think one of our things is so much, if you want somebody saved, you send them to a great glory crusade. And it's like, no, God's got these other... Right incredible ways of saving people, even with storms and, you know, prophets that have bleached skin, you know, like, yeah. like Michael Jackson going to save Nineveh. But, you know, just these um, incredible <laughs> ways yeah. that God uses mm-hmm. to, to save people yeah, and, lives and the, these stories. Yeah. It keeps making me think of that verse in Revelation that they overcame by yes. the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, testimony. Yep. and they didn't love their lives to death. And God uses the story of our lives, the testimonies of our lives yeah. to overcome the evil one. Yeah. And he knows the pressure points that, you know, in people's lives to just touch that one thing and show them their need. Mm-hmm. And we think, like you said, there's only one way and I have to get them to a crusade. And, and, there are lots of people that say Jonah is a myth or that no, Jonah yeah, that was, was a questions. parable, yeah. right? right? But I'm going to give you four reasons why it's not. And one is he's a historical figure that you find in is it Second Kings? Second Kings 14. chapter fourteen, right? Mm-hmm. And he's he's actually and so if you would write a story like this, it could be slanderous. If you wrote a myth and you used his name, and he is from Amatai, he's got the same mm-hmm. father as the prophet, same destination. He's the same prophet. Mm-hmm. So to write something like this and show such a bad attitude, this has got to be autobiographical because nobody does this about somebody else, it's slanderous. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a real experience. Second, um, there there were great fish in the Mediterranean that have probably gone extinct, like the, we were talking, because my grandson one day, my very genius grandson looked at me and said, Grandma, do you believe Jonah was swallowed by a megalodon? 
And I'm like, if I knew what a megalodon was, I might, you know? So he has to show me all these pictures of a megalodon. And, uh, or even the basking shark, which right. is so mm-hmm. huge. And it's sperm totally whales can swallow people. That's, you know, they've seen that happen before. So yeah, it can be done. <laughs> and part of the thing too with Jonah is he is a picture of Jesus being in the grave. So he could have died in the fish and been resurrected. We don't know what happens inside and, the and fish. And that's one of also the proofs is that Jesus affirms it. Yeah, exactly. Jesus doesn't call it a myth. Jesus doesn't call it a... Um, a parable, a and Jesus yeah. was very clear about when he was telling a parable mm-hmm. and when he True. was speaking, you know, um, reality mm-hmm. and the actual word. When he says, like, the men of Nineveh will rise yes. up in judgment, it's like these are real people that are going to rise up right. in judgment, mm-hmm. and, you know. And then, too, one of the, one of the um, criticisms where there were people who said, well, Nineveh was never really that large, but excavations mm-hmm. that have been carried out since the beginning of this, uh, uh, sorry, of the 20th century, um, discovered Nineveh. It was, it's about 230 miles south of Baghdad. Mm-hmm. It's on the Tigris River, mm-hmm. so it's inland. Um, have dis- and that's why Jonah went to sea, getting this far getting away. Getting away, yeah. But um, have discovered that it was huge. It was mm-hmm. a huge city, had a full library. Um, the library contained documents. It's mm-hmm. where people would store their documents. It contained um, uh, literature and uh, store, uh, literature like Babylonian literature, right. as well as... Um, you said all those relief Syrian, forms. yeah, Syrian okay, yeah, literature, yeah. Uh, cuneiforms mm-hmm. mainly because that's how they would do it through cuneiforms. And so they discovered this vast library, which every once in a while it will come to the British Museum, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. exciting because I was there and I saw some of those displays of Nineveh, which were really really astounding. But um, in 712 BC, it was wiped out by the Babylonian Medes. They kind of both went against Assyrian because it was the strongest power. And for Babylon to become anything, it had to destroy yeah. um, Nineveh. It yeah, was the, Assyrian, the greatest threat. Yeah, yeah, mm. it was a major city. Another thing too Fortress is city um, too. Yeah. with its position in the Bible where it's sandwiched in between all these other prophets. There's 12 prophets, minor prophets, and it wouldn't make sense to have an allegory or a parable in the midst of these prophetic books, like that these are all prophetic books. And so it makes sense historically for them to be all prophetic books. Sorry, just as a side note, can I just say, I was thinking about this as you were talking about the British Museum. What I, one thing I love about the British Museum is that, um, they, they use the Bible to explain. So it's like, oh my gosh, anybody who says the Bible isn't true, it's like, well, the, the British Museum is using it to explain all of these things from Hezekiah's time. Um, there's like Shebna the scribe, there's this whole panel, that, and they say, well, in you know King's chapter, blah, blah, blah. I love that. It's like, they, people can poo-poo the Bible all they want, but it's like, it's if, used in scientific. If you, if you go to England and you go to the British Museum, um, there's a man, I have his phone number somewhere, um, who will give you a Christian tour of the my British dad Museum? Does that too. Your he dad got it from that guy. Cool. Oh, that would yeah, be good. And so I, he does, I want to do it with your dad. Yeah, it's funny. It's a little book. <laughs> yeah. But there's also a walking tour, a mm. Christian walking tour you can take of, oh, of England. I'd like to do a Christian history oh, yeah. tour of England really and cool. the East Coast too. That's a whole different subject. Sorry about that. Whoops. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking right. in That's the my future. Fault. I started on yes. that. So anyway, Matthew 12 41, Luke 11 32 mm-hmm. is where Jesus uh, speaks of Jonah presenting. The experience of Jonah as an actuality. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. 
So I think those are, oops, did I say 712, 612 BC? This is why you have notes. I, I was even thinking of just like how, like, like in Job, you know, how the Lord is reminding Job, like, hey, I am in control of Leviathan and the behemoth, mm -hmm. like these huge beasts and stuff. And just to remember how, how in control God is over nature. And this is, not, this is not a big deal for him. It's not hard, but I guess yeah. it's just our Western minds can't get around that because we're told to, you know, believe science and all of this stuff. And, and we don't believe God. Mm. <laughs> science is a religion now. I'm reading this book right now, which is really interesting, but it's, it's a global mission book. And it was talking about right now, which is interesting. So as you know, probably that the West, the United States for a long time was uh, a leader in the Christian movement, right? Mm -hmm. We sent out missionaries. Um, now the greatest center for Christianity is Africa and South America. Wow. Yeah. And what's interesting about both Africa and South America is they don't, they don't have the materialistic uh, Western ideals of like, uh, we have this, we separate materialism from spirituality. Mm -hmm. They don't do that. Yeah. They are one and the same because for the most part, these people have lived in dependency on the mm -hmm. land and on nature. So they see the spiritualism in everything. And so they don't have, mm -hmm. they don't have an issue with this. Mm -hmm. And so when you give them a story like Jonah, you know, and the whale, they don't have a problem with that at all. They're like, yeah, of course, you know, we know nature. Yeah. But we, because we have separated it and we said, oh, science is all material and deals with material realities, which of course it doesn't. And we all know that it deals with theories, which are mm -hmm. immaterial. Um, but we only in the West and in Western culture have done this and we yeah. have presupposed that the whole world does this. Yeah. And so what you're finding again in South America and uh, where some of the leading theology, the, the best, most grounded theology is coming out of Africa now and out of South America. Yeah, more so holistic. It, it's really, yeah, more holistic is really a good word for it. And it's really, really fascinating. But what mm -hmm. I find going back to... Um, Jonah being swallowed by uh, a great fish. And my dad would always say, great fish, not whale, great mm -hmm. fish. Yep. <laughs> we don't know what kind of great fish, great fish. Um, but going back to this is that, I, I was reading Exodus and I was reading about the, um, have you ever told God how he could make his stories more believable? Yeah. I have. Yeah, yeah. We've had this discussion <laughs> like, Lord, if the story of the Exodus was a sandbar emerged yeah. and the people walked across on a sandbar and it was dry, I mean, nobody would have problems with that. They'd be like, oh yeah, isn't that great? God mm -hmm. could get a sandbar. But God goes, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. He blows with this east wind and it says there's a wall of water, like in the movie, yeah. The Ten Commandments. That's like yeah, the that's best part of it. But this wall of water on each side, like what would it be like to walk between a wall of water? You know, yeah. when they cross the Jordan, the, the water you know, backs Stopped. way up. Mm -hmm. So there's no wall of water. They're not seeing it. That's happening at a place called Adam. Mm -hmm. But there, through the Exodus, it's a wall of water. And I was thinking about how God is always pressing us mm -hmm. to believe outside of our criteria, yep. outside of the material. Like, you know, to believe Jesus rose from the dead, to believe that in the beginning, God mm -hmm. created everything, bara, out of nothing. Yeah. That the Bible is saying, you know what? Unless you can go beyond your finite understanding, 
You know, even like with Nicodemus, he's like, okay, who are you, Jesus? Who are you? Like, um, are you like a philosopher? Are you, I mean, we know nobody could do the works that you're doing unless God was with him. So who are you? And Jesus says, you know what? Unless you're born again, you won't get it. You'll never get it. You'll never be able to figure out who I am because you can't box me up. You can't put me in this category or this category or this category. Nicodemus, unless you're willing to be born again, you won't get it. And Nicodemus is like, again, he's going materialistic, right? He's like, okay, I like go back in my mother's womb. I mean, what are He's thinking so, (laughs) yeah, so materially, so scientifically, Uh so to speak. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm talking about a whole internal experience. I am saying that your whole way of thinking has to be changed. You have to allow for God to create everything. Mm -hmm. You have to allow for Red Seas Mm -hmm. to be parted and walls of water. Mm -hmm. You have to prepare for people to be um, swallowed by great fish. You have to prepare for people to be saved by an Mm -hmm. ark and 40 days of rain and a global flood. You have to be prepared for realities that go beyond your understanding and beyond your experience. Mm. And isn't that, that's kind of like what you're saying. I feel like in in the West, that is so hard for us, like to think in that spiritual, like to have that kind of a paradigm shift. I was listening to um, one of the workshops from the missions conference, Jeff Jackson's, and highly recommend it. But he's talking about how we really are only like, 10% 10% of the world thinks like us. That's it. That's right. The rest of the world, you know, they think, it, you know, he was talking about honor, shame, cultures, and all right, of that right, sort right. of a thing. But, you know, really, even just like kind of what you were talking about with Africa and different, some of those different uh, nations and even like tribal peoples that have animism and spiritual, right. they have no problem believing mm-hmm. that God is powerful enough. When they realize the power of Jesus, they're like, oh, obviously he can do anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, it's such a hindrance to us in a way you know, our, our materialistic yeah. thinking, like you're saying, and just to be able to get outside of that. And most of our materialistic thinking really comes from the Greek culture. It's mm-hmm. a Platoism, right? It's Platonic, which is always separating the, the spiritual from the material right. mm-hmm. and saying what is spiritual is good, what is material is evil. Yeah. And so we kind Gnostics. of adopted, especially the Catholic Church, because uh, in the beginning, I want to say the, you know, the uh, during Constantine's time medieval, when, yeah. when, um, even before medieval, during oh, yeah, yeah, Constantine, sorry, Constantine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the Byzantine. When, um, because what happened is it just kind of assumed the culture, it kind of like blanketed the whole culture in Christianity. So it just assumed and accepted, and all of a sudden hmm. the, the priests of the other gods are now the priests to God. And mm-hmm. so that's what happened when blanket when it was blanketed. Mm-hmm. So the Platonic ideas were brought into the church then. And so you had more of a syncretism mm-hmm. than you did. Syncretism would be like um, mixing religions, mixing or, religions yeah, philosophies. in the in the first in mm-hmm. not the early church. We're not talking about no, the no, early no, church. No. We're talking about the Byzantine era mm-hmm. when uh, Christianity became legal. And mm-hmm. so I mean, it, it, sometimes we're like, oh no, you know, with this new. Um, presidency, are we safe as Christians? Mm -hmm. And I would say, yes, we're very safe. Mm -hmm. In fact, Christianity seems to do better in 
in, um, under Democrats mm -hmm. than Republicans. I know that sounds so or even under adversity. Weird, yeah, but yeah, under adversity. Very, yeah, when we're actually yeah. pressing into the Lord and yes. <laughs> desperate. Or because seeking. we're not looking to political <laughs> leaders to save us, we're looking to Jesus. And political leaders can become graven images to us. Mm -hmm. And I love this book because, um, again, we're talking mm -hmm. about well, I'm going back to talking about themes. And there's yeah. a theme of unity, of God. God so loved the world. You know, the, John 3.16 doesn't say God so loved Israel. Or God so loved um, Christians, mm -hmm. you know, or the people that would receive Jesus. But God so loved the world, yeah. right. the whole cosmos, that he gave his only begotten son. And I think that we forget that God so loves Mm -hmm. We just forget that God so loves, that God's ecological, um, eschological um, plan is to save all nations mm -hmm. through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we forget this. I'm sorry, That Angie. was one of my big takeaways, why I feel like it's relevant for us today, is that God has a plan. Yep. And I read somewhere that actually the book of Jonah starts with the word and, which is kind of fascinating because it's like a hmm. continuation of God's story. He has a plan, and his plan is to see all nations come to saving faith in him, just mm. like what you were saying. And it's we can trust him, even in these unprecedented times, and even in times when it gets crazy with COVID. And I think we we have to fall back on that. Like if we can believe God that he can do something crazy with a fish on this level, can I also believe that his grace is big enough to save all people and that his ability to transform a heart and bring revival is big enough for even the most wicked person. Yeah. And so it's like, if we can believe him for these radical things like parting the Red Sea, can we believe him that his grace is enough for yeah. me when I mess up? And that, no, that's, so, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking just even just of the fact that, because that is, love is the more excellent way, but we can be. And I was like, man, I identify with Jonah. And I'm glad Jonah's in the Bible. Because, uh -huh. And that he is. It's like Peter, right? Like a, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and that he is like a booger. And even till the end, he's grumbling with the Lord and stuff. Like right. I was saying, those other prophets that didn't understand God's way. Sorry, I know. Like Habakkuk and stuff, they didn't understand God's ways, but they're like, okay, Lord, I, I you know, I they respond submitted. to you. Jonah mm -hmm. didn't. He was such a little brat the whole time. But Better I'm like, word. Lord, I can do that and just be like, no, no, Lord, you can't. And instead of realizing that, that love is the overriding characteristic of God. And, and yeah. you think about that we're going to see the coldness of Jonah's heart as we talked about again mm -hmm. with the sailors. He's willing to let them go down and he's sleeping. Right. And I think sometimes as Christians, we can be more interested in our own comfort and let it rebuke you and correct you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've let it rebuke and correct me. Yeah. Yeah, that I can be, I mean, I honestly get really possessive of my bed. <laughs> I absolutely love my pillow and I love my bed. Linda Rourke, and I talk about this all the time, that, that like at eight o'clock, it's like if something's at night, we're like, oh, it's at night, you know, or like my kids will want to have a talk at night. And I'm like, I'm so good in the morning. Yeah. And I, like at night, it's like, oh, and I can get so preoccupied with my own comfort. Mm. And as a church, I think we've gotten very, very preoccupied with our own comfort. And I mean, people like, oh, I don't want to go to church. I mean, I'd rather stay home and watch it on television. We're so interested in our own comfort and yeah. we don't want to sacrifice. And Jonah was so interested in his own comfort. He was yeah. more interested in sleeping and being where he wanted to be than where the call of God was. Yeah. And let me say this, the call of God is always going to be uncomfortable, mm -hmm. always uncomfortable. It's always, it, 
it's always going to be uncomfortable. It's going to put you out of your comfort. It's going to take you out of your comfort. It's going to take you out of the familiar and that which you know and what you've got nailed down. It's going to be costly. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So, I mean, (laughs) there has to be an element of faith, like you said, and that comes through that discomfort. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, yeah. I love my, one of my favorite quotes is by George Mueller that faith is never learned in comfortable places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, and so we're going to learn faith, yeah, you know, that God is always faith. pushing us to believe the unbelievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we, J- Jasmine and I were talking before this, and I love it when Paul stands before Herod and he says, why should it be strange to you that God should raise the dead? Right. If we're dealing with God, why should there be any impossibilities? Yes. And God is always saying, you know, um, like even to Mary, um, he says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And wouldn't it be disappointing if God couldn't do those things? I mean, really, it's like, right. well, what kind of a God are you? Yeah. You know what I if mean? If he was limited. It's, yes. Limited, yeah. as limited as no we point. are. <laughs> and that's what we do, right? Yeah. We put our limitations on God, don't that's we? True. Yeah. We put our same limitations. But then the other thing is, too, is to... Sometimes we're willing for a whole people group to perish rather than to take them the message of salvation. Mm -hmm. That's the story of William Carey. You know, as you remember, like uh, when William Carey said to his, um, to like kind of the Baptist ministers, like I feel led to go to India with the gospel. They're like, no, if God wanted those people saved, he'd send an angel. Mm. Yeah, he'll do it. You don't need to help. You don't need to go there. And, you know, God wanted to send William Carey, as we realized, he translated the into different, what was it, 35 different so Indian many, languages? like dialects and all these things. Yeah, it was just a God-given and gift. And that's still like gift. the Bible they use. I mean, that comes up in the story of Ida Scudder, which is interesting, too. But anyway, mm-hmm. Ida Scudder was a doctor, a Christian doctor, went to India. You'll have to listen. It's a little teaser yes. coming up on the podcast. podcast. We yeah. haven't even recorded it yet. I'm just so excited about it. But um, the idea about we need to be interested in the salvation of people. Mm-hmm. We, we cannot label, and I think about how divided our country is right now between pro-Trump and anti-Trump and the, the um, what do you want to say, the um, attitudes are as strong on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, the animosity is as strong. Um, again, we talked earlier, masks and no mask mm-hmm. people. There's this mm-hmm. division. There's this division between <laughs> those who have had COVID and those who haven't. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a division between... There's Right. Things, yeah. There's so many divisive issues. Right. And as believers, we have got to not be divisive. Mm-hmm. We have got to be calling people into the community of Jesus Christ. No wonder that... Paul says endeavor, and the word endeavor means almost like an agonizing, a working, um, Mm -hmm. it means to put effort or sweat Mm -hmm. into um, endeavor to keep the unity in the bond of the spirit. So here's the way we keep the unity in the bond of the spirit. We move everyone into the Holy Spirit. This is how we keep the unity, Mm -hmm. Um, and we endeavor to keep this, we're gonna work hard at keeping. And something cool too in this whole book of Jonah is I just see God's relentlessness in trying to get those things through. All the things we've been talking about, he wants to get them through to Jonah. And he's not gonna let him go until he gets it. But he's also relentless in saving Nineveh. Mm -hmm. He's relentless. I mean, he doesn't let this prophet off the hook. Again, you're the one 
And this is the place. Which Keller has this quote where he says that Jonah wanted to have a God of his own making yep. that was merciful yep. to him because he needed mercy, yeah. but he wasn't merciful to the other men. Okay, yeah. isn't yeah. that what we want right now? I know. Isn't that what we're asking for? Mm-hmm. I mean, even though Biden called it the Palms instead of the Psalms, we need to be praying for his salvation. Right. And for Kamala Harris. Yes. Do you think these people yep. don't need Jesus? They need Jesus so bad. I went to a secular college. I went to a Christian college. The secular college was kinder to me and more open to the message of Jesus Christ than Mm. the Christian college because they thought they had it and they didn't. Mm -hmm. And the secular college was so open. I had teachers that would say, you know, Cheryl, you're so unique and you're so different. Can can we talk about this? I would have lunch with some of my teachers because they're Mm. like, you're so, you're so um, strong in your convictions. And Mm. we would just talk and in, it was the love of, of God that was leading them into this. Um, when we were in Vista, we wanted to take a band and a message into the schools. The schools that had Christian principles refused to let us in, and the schools with non-Christian principles let us in. Hmm. Because the, the schools with the Christian principles were afraid of their jobs, oh. for their jobs, if they let Christians in, afraid for the reputation. Mm-hmm. The non-Christians are like, oh, I'm showing tolerance, and they let us in. So I think that we need to, um, I think Jonah teaches us not to give in to our fears. Mm-hmm. I think Jonah had a lot of fears about mm-hmm. going to Nineveh, and mm-hmm. none of those fears were actualized. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I think God, think about it. I think it's 365 times the Bible tells us, do not be afraid in some form or another. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid. And I think that God is saying, I don't want you to enter 2021 with fear. Like get rid of the fear and get more interested in the salvation of the nations. Yeah. No, I've been surprised like talking to people if I go, you know, my, my best friend and I like to go share the gospel with people randomly, but you know, when we could, <laughs> when you can get near to people, but you're, it's surprising sometimes how open people are. You, you just don't exp- you know, you're thinking, oh boy, that person, they look really angry. And then you talk to them. And I remember one lady we talked to at the mall, she just started crying. Like, I mean, and like my son has all these issues and health problems. I mean, we're like praying with her. She wants to go to church. We're like, whoa, but she looked so hard, you know, mm-hmm. when we were deciding whether we should go talk to her or not and stuff. And so there's so much more openness than, than we realize. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of like, takes you off guard. I was reading that even Voltaire, that in, a man was walking with him in a storm and it was a really bad storm and he cried out and said, oh God, save us. Mm. And you know, nobody is as far from salvation as we mm. think they are. Right. People are much closer to salvation. You know, millions, what is it? Thousands upon thousands in the valley of decision as Joel puts it, you mm. know? Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. So good. Anything else before we wrap up? Any other thoughts? Um, I had just one thought when you were talking about um, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit among believers, you know, with, with one another. And I think part of that is having, because I know one of the themes in Jonah is repentance and um, repentance is really, I'll probably talk more about it in a later, you know, episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, that was something I was thinking about is just like, man, when we're really understanding our own desperate need to be repentant before the Lord because we have sinned. It makes us, I think, a little more, I know this is just what the Lord's been speaking to me personally. I was talking to Angie about it the other day. Just, it makes me more gracious 
Um, there's so much on both sides uh, in the church right now, whether you're on one, one camp or the other and a lot of these issues, there's a lot of self-righteousness, um, finger pointing and stuff in the church instead of that endeavoring. And I think a lot of that has to do with we're not repenting ourselves of sin. We're not looking in the mirror. You know, it's just, I just look at all these people and I'm like, man, Lord, I need to look in the mirror a little bit more. Like, what am I, you know, where am I at with you? Um, and again, like I said earlier, I'm reading in Ezekiel and he's talking about in Ezekiel 16 about how he redeemed Israel. And um, then they, you know, basically sold themselves to other nations. And, you know, of course the Lord equates that with harlotry or spiritual adultery. But then he's going to redeem them. And he says in Ezekiel 16, 63, um, that you may remember and be ashamed and never open your mouth anymore because of your shame when I provide you an atonement for all you've done. And that just struck me. I was just like, man, I like, what do I have to say against other people when I remember like what God's done to atone for me and redeem me because I'm a booger, you know, like and I was saying with Jonah. <laughs> and that's a danger is to vilify a people. Yeah. To vilify, and that's what, again, God's gonna call Jonah to see the people that don't know their right hand from their left hand, yeah. all the mm -hmm. innocents. Mm -hmm. And we tend to vilify and generalize mm -hmm. and yeah we stop seeing the individual yeah. and God always sees the individual mm -hmm. and the person. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really good. And again, Jonah needed so much grace and it's kind of like us. We were saved by grace. Yeah. And when we forget that grace that saved forget. us yeah. and we don't want to extend that grace to others, mm -hmm. we become like Jonah, you know, mm -hmm. waiting for judgment. You know, I get this one, I hate to say this, but there's this one woman who's, um, she sends out a little message to everybody. And she really is kind of in her little house waiting for judgment to fall. She's waiting to be raptured and judgment to fall on the rest oh. of the world. Hmm. And it grieves my heart so much, her desire for judgment. And, and then I read another blog where people were kind of so excited about what happened in Washington, DC. I mean. When I saw what happened in Washington, D.C., I started crying. Mm -hmm. I really cried. I cried because there were Confederate flags. Mm -hmm. I cried because the name of Jesus was invoked in that, mm -hmm. and that's not Jesus. No. That's not my Jesus. I cried because of, of what they did, and, and, and because they did it out of fear. Mm -hmm. I cried because that woman got shot and killed who had served in the United States uh, military. And I thought, this is, this is a sad day. Mm -hmm. This is a sad day. This is not a day to like, you know, I don't know, do your suspenders or... Celebrate. Yeah, celebrate. This is like a sad day. This is not... How much better it would have been if those people went and all got on their knees and said, we're going to pray for the good of the United States. We're going to intercede for this next president. We're going to vow to pray for him. And we're going to pray for our nation. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven. Mm -hmm. And again, in, in Isaiah chapter 58, God says, if I'll answer your fast, if you'll stop pointing the finger. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, that always gets me. If you'll stop blaming everybody else for the problems and say, it's, you know, my people yeah, who, call, who are called by yes. my name, not all the world, but yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. I love that song. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Mm -hmm. Not my sister, not my brother, not my mother, not my father, but it's me, oh Lord. Yeah. Not my neighbor, not my, you know, <laughs> it's me, yeah. oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Yeah. 
And I think we're going to get that out of the book of Jonah this whole time. I think God's going to keep pointing the finger back to us. You know, the end of Jonah kind of ends in a cliffhanger with these rhetorical questions that God is asking. And it kind of pushes it back to, you know, that's me. Like, how does this apply to me? And what does God want to say to me? Yeah. So expect the Lord to speak to you and to correct. Mm -hmm. And to, I mean, I love how who's, who's, um, Habakkuk says, yes. um, I'll stand here on my rampart and I'll wait for the Lord yes. to, to correct me. Yeah. 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 And I think that always when we come to the word of God, we should, well, it says all scripture is given by revelation of God and is profitable for uh, correction, correction yeah. and instruction Proof. and reproof and, yeah, and instruction in righteousness. Yeah. And so when we come to the scripture, we should always come with the idea of being corrected. Mm-hmm. Not like correcting others. You know, how can mm-hmm. I correct others? Give me a scripture. Yeah, exactly. But how that's can I yeah. be corrected? And that's, yeah, so good. That's the enigma that he was trying to discover the mercy of God, but also the justice of God. Mm. So many great things we're going to learn. Well, Jasmine, would you mind closing us with prayer? And then I'll give a couple announcements. Okay, yes. <laughs> Lord, Yeah, we thank you so much for your word, God, that it actually does all of those things, like Cheryl was just saying, that it's good for um, instruction and righteousness and reproof and correction. It wants to accomplish all those things, Lord, and we want to just come open for that, Lord. I know sometimes I come to just have my opinions justified, (laughs) like, oh, Lord, I want you to just agree with me. Lord, but you want to do so much more that's more profitable, that's more... um, I don't know, more, more deepening in my character, in my walk with you, God. And so I just pray, Lord, that we would come to Jonah with just open hearts and minds, Lord, um, in, in a time when everybody's becoming so uh, polarized and closed, like, no, this is my opinion and I can't be changed or fixed or swayed. Lord, that we would come to your word without that dogmatic attitude, Lord, but with an openness, Lord, to, to receive all that you want to speak to us, God, and to show us, Lord, so that we don't just know your works and the things that you've done, but we know your ways and we understand your heart and, and what you want to do, God. Please give us greater revelation of that. I know I really need that personally, Lord. And so I'm just praying that you would give us an expanded vision of who you are. Um, as we do this study. So we love you, Lord. Thank you so much again for this time. Thank you for your word and uh, how it constantly speaks uh, to us and is alive and living and active and, and working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.